Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. In our last lesson of the tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we looked at Surah Al Surah Al Abasa, which as we mentioned was a Meccan Surah. So, so far we've not reached a Suwar Al Madaniya, the Madani Suwar. Because the Madani Suwar was after the Hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, so far, we're looking at a Suwar Al-Makkiyah. Today, insha'Allah ta'ala, we're going to be looking at the beginning of the Hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, as we mentioned, the Hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam itself was preceded by what? The Hijrah of the who? The Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That every single one of the Sahaba, they left Mecca. The only people that remained in Mecca, Mustad'afeen. Those were too weak in prison and they were not allowed to leave Mecca. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu an, and Ali radiallahu an. These are the only people that remained in Mecca. And they wanted to leave because Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu an would go to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yasta'dhinhu, asking for permission for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to go to where? To go to Medina. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say to Ya Abu Bakr, لا تجعل تعجل لعل الله يجعل لك صاحبا أبو بكر did not be hasty maybe Allah سبحانه وتعالى will make for you a companion وأبو بكر رضي الله عنه كان يطمع أن يكونه he used to wish and desire that that companion will be who the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم so the Mushikeen of Quraysh they were observing the situation that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has found helpers from other than them Al Ansar they are ready to protect and fight for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. They observe the fact that the Muslims had made hijrah to Medina, and they established there a dawla al-Islamiyah. So Mushrikeen decided they have to do something about this. They have to put a stop to the da'wah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So they decided to hold a conference, and any conference among the Quraysh which bore any importance will be held in Darul Nadwa. So Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma he narrates what happened in this conference. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma he said the mushikeen when they saw the situation they decided we have to hold a conference. And they invited all the ashraf of the Quraysh from the different tribes all the nobles and aristocrats of the Quraysh to this conference. So Abdullah ibn Abbas he said when they decided to hold this conference they held it on a day yusamma yawm zahma the day of congestion on the day of crowding. On that yawm zahma Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum I said hatta a'tarada lahum al-shaytan fi hayati shaykhin jaleel that even shaytan to show how great that meeting was for them he said hatta a'tarada iblis not just any shaytan shaytan himself the iblis he attended that meeting and he came in the form of a shaykh of an old man or a nobleman because a shaykh doesn't just mean one who possesses Islamic knowledge there's a Linguistic meaning, one old in age or one who is noble or high in status. So Shaytan, it came in the form of an old man, min ahli najd, from the people of Najd. So when the Quraysh, they got to Darul Nadwa and they saw this old man, who they don't know from anywhere, standing by the door. They said, Mani Shaykh, who is this Shaykh? The Shaytan said, Shaykhun min al Najd. I am a Shaykh, a noble or old man from the people of Najd. Sami'tu. Or Semi'ah, he was talking a third party way form. So he has heard that which you've gathered here for today. For the purpose that 
he is here, is that the Sheikh is here, that maybe he may be able to assist you with some opinion and some advice. You don't want to miss out on his advice. You don't want to miss out on his opinion. So the Quraysh, they looked at this old man, they said, Ajal, okay, fadkhul fadakhala ma'ahu. They said, enter, and the shaitan, Iblis, he entered with them. In this meeting, as we mentioned, all the ashraf, all the aristocrats and the noble of the Quraysh, they were there. Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, said each one represented their tribe. So they brought together all the tribes. Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, he said, Min bani Abdushams, from the tribe of Abdushams, they had Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, they had Shayba ibn Rabi'ah, and they had Abu Sufyan ibn Harb. These are the nobles of that particular tribe. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu used to select Utbah and Rabi'ah specifically for what? For la'na, for cursing and dua against them. And of course, we all know Abu Sufyan radiallahu is from Bani Abdushams. So from Bani Abdushams, they are these three. And from the other tribes, from Bani Nawfal ibn Abdul Manaf, they had Tu'imah ibn Adi, Jubair ibn Mut'im, Walharith ibn Amr ibn Nawfal. From Bani Abdul ibn Qusay, they had another Ibn al-Harith, Ibn Kalada. From Bani Asad, Ibn Abdul Uzza, they had Abu al-Bukhtari, Ibn Hisham, Zam'a, Ibn al-Aswad, Ibn al-Muttalib, Hakim Ibn Hizam, who also later on became what? Became a Muslim. And from Bani Makhzum, Bani Makhzum, one of the great times of Quraysh, they had Abu al-Hakam. Who's Abu al-Hakam? Abu Jahl. His name was really Abu Hakim, the father of knowledge and wisdom. But the Prophet nicknamed him Abu Jahal. They had Abu Hakim ibn Hisham. And for Bani Saham, they have Nubay ibn Munabbi and his two sons Hajjaj. And from the tribe of Al Jumah, they had Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Umayyah ibn Khalaf. And so on and so forth. So in this meeting, they said one to the other, This affair of Muhammad has become too much. And the way they go in, and the authority they have and the strength they have, they may one day revolt against us and actually meet us in battle and defeat us and take our affairs from our hand. And we're not going to leave Darul Nadwa hatta najtami' or najma' ala ra'yim wahid. We're not going to leave here until we come to a consensus on what to do about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they gather together for Majlisu al-Harb. It's like the equivalent of a security council or war council to deal with the issue of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So they continued to debate and deliberate until one of them came out opinion, Faqala Ahaduhum. One of them said, Ihbisu, what you need to do with him, Ihbisuhu bil Hadid. Chain him up with chains. And lock him up completely in solitary confinement. And just watch him. Hatta you see Bahu until it is overcome by that which overcame those who came before him. Zuhair and Nabigha. These are some of the poets of the Arabs that any poetry they made, if it went against their custom, their culture, their beliefs, they used to lock them up in solitary confinement and watch them till they die. They say, watch him die a slow death. The Sheikh and Najdi, the Sheikh from Najd, he said to them, He said, Wallahi, ma hadha lakum bi ra'i. He said, I swear to you by Allah, this is not a good opinion. Wallahi, la in habistumuhu, kematakulun, la la yahrujanna amruhu, minwara ilbab. If you lock him up as you want to do, his affair or the news of being behind bar will come out from behind those doors. 
and his companions who you've not locked up with him, they'll definitely come back to rescue him. And not only will they come back to rescue him, they'll revolt and fight against you. And trust me, they will defeat you. And they'll take the rules from you. You'll not be the rulers of Quraysh. He said, This is not a good opinion. He said, Think of something else. So they continue to deliberate. Because whatever they decide upon, it has to be a consensus. So one of them said, I've got an opinion. We take him out from amongst us. We expel him and deport him from our land. He said, after we've deported him and we've expelled him from our land, he said, After that, we don't care where he goes, where he settles, we don't care at all. Once he's away from him, we're free from him. And after that, we could rectify our affairs. And go back to that which we used to, we used to do before. Once he's away from us, the Sheikh Al Najdi said, La wallahi. He said, Ba Allah, this is not a ra'i. He said, Alam taro. Why is this not a good opinion? He said, Alam taro. Husna hadithihi. Have you not seen how eloquent he is in his speech? Have you not seen halawa mantiqihi? Have you not seen how sweet and how beautiful his logic and reasoning is? And have you not seen how he's able, how he's able to conquer minds and hearts of men? Have you not seen this? He said, if you allow him to go anywhere else, he will go to one of the lands of the Arabs, and with this good speech, this way of conquering minds and hearts, they will follow Muhammad sallallahu But he will not stop there. These same people that follow him, will come back to you with them, and they will definitely defeat you. This is not a good opinion. So they continued. Until one of them, he said, that he's got an opinion. He said, Wallahi, inna li, inna li, I have an opinion that none of you that none of you have even mentioned yet so they said what is this opinion because they, they came to many conclusions but no one came to this conclusion except for who? Abu Jahl so they said to him what is it? he said I see what we should do with him is from every single noble tribe. Take a man or young man of lineage and high position and status from every single tribe. And we give each and every single one of them safe asarin, a strong sword. And with this sword, they strike Muhammad sallallahu with it all at once and kill him. He said after that now, tafarraqa, his blood will be divided amongst the, what? the different tribes. He said, Abdul Manaf, which is the tribe of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, they could not fight all the tribes. They could only fight one or two tribes. But if they strike him all together at one blow, they can't fight all the tribes. He said, they will have no choice except after that, Faradu minna bil'aql. They have no choice but to be pleased with what? Dia, blood money. We just give them the blood money. He said, this is the opinion. Faqala Shaykh al-Najdi. The Shaykh al-Najdi, he said, this is the right statement, what this man has said here. This is the proper thing to do. I don't see anything else but to assassinate Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they planned to assassinate the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jibreel alayhi salam, he revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam their plan. And he ordered the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا تبت 
هذه الليلة على فراشك التي كنت تبيت عليه. Do not sleep on your bed which you normally sleep in. So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول علي رضي الله عنه. And he ordered Ali radiallahu an to sleep in his place and to cover himself with his blanket, al-hadrami, the hadrami, green blanket of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Exactly the same blanket. Cover yourself with this. And he said to Ali radiallahu an, la yamassuka su. Don't worry, nothing is going to happen to you. So the Quraysh, when it reached Atman min al-layl, Atman min al-layl means the darkest part of the night. And why did they go to the Prophet sallallahu at the darkest time of the night. Why? After Isha. Well, after Isha. Because to show their level of surveillance of the Prophet wasallam, they knew the full program of the Prophet wasallam. Like we said, Abu Lahab, his wife, used to follow the Prophet wasallam everywhere, even till night time. So they knew that the Prophet wasallam during the night, what does he normally do? Ya ayyuhal illa qalila. You stand up for Qiyam. And in those days, the bathrooms were not in the house. He has to get up, go outside, make wudu, and come back. So they went there late at night, at the time of Qiyam, waiting for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. At this point, being confident or overconfident that their plan was going to be successful and they're going to succeed in what they were going to do, Abu Jahal and those with him went to the door. And Abu Jahal, he gave a speech at the door. Abu Jahal, he said, Upon the door of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He turned to the people and said Inna Muhammadan yaz'umu You see this Muhammad we're about to kill? Yaz'um He claims That Annakum in taba'tumuhu ala amrihi Kuntum muliukul arab wal ajam He claims that if you follow him Later on you're going to become the kings and the leaders of the Arabs And the non-Arabs Thumma idha bu'ithtum Min ba'di mawtikum and he also claims, after you become the kings and then you die and then you're raised up again, you're going to have gardens and paradise like the gardens of Jordan. This is the claim of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he went on to say, And if you do not do it, Muhammad claims he's going to slaughter you. This is the person who gathered his daughter slaughter now. And then after he slaughters you, جُعِلَتْ لَكُمْ نَار Fire will be made for you that you're going to be burnt in. So he was mocking the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. At this point, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kharaja min baytihi. The Prophet sallallahu came out of his house. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam took dust in his hand. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, while coming out of his house, he said, Naam, yes, ana aqulu thalika. Yes, I say this. Wa anta ahaduhum. And you're one of them that's going to burn in the hellfire. At that point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he took away their what? Their sight. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took away their sight. They couldn't see anything. They could not see nothing at all. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam recited the ayah from Surah Yaseen. Yaseen wal Quran al-Hakim. Innaka la min al-Mursaleen ala siratim mustaqeem. Yaseen, I swear by the Quran al-Hakim. Innaka la min al-Mursaleen. Verily you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, min al-Mursaleen. You're from the messengers. Ala siratim mustaqeem. Upon the straight path. Until the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reached the saying of Allah azza wa jal وَجَعَلْنَ مِنْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ سَدًّا وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ سَدًّا فَأَغْشَيْنَاهُمْ فَهُمْ لَا يُبْسِرُونَ That we've made a barrier in front of them, a barrier behind them. فَأَغْشَيْنَاهُمْ We've covered them completely فَهُمْ لَا يُبْسِرُونَ They could not see. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the dust in his hand, he sprinkled it on each and every single one of them. He put it on their heads. Each and every single one. 
and the Prophet sallallahu escaped from amongst them. They didn't see anything. So while this was happening, when the Prophet sallallahu finished reading these ayat and he passed by them, فَأَتَاهُمْ آتٍ مِمَّنْ لَمْ يَكُمْ مَعَهُمْ Somebody came that was not with them. And he saw them outside the house of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said, مَاذَ تَنْتَظِرُونَ هَا هُنَا He asked, what are you not waiting for here? They said, Muhammadan qala They said, waiting for Muhammad. They said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala humiliate you. He said, قَدْ وَاللَّهِ خَرَجَ عَلَيْكُمْ مُحَمَّدْ ثُمَّ مَا تَرَكَ مِنْكُمْ رَجُلًا إِلَّا قَدْ وَضَ عَلَى رَأْسِهِ تُرَابًا He said, Muhammad has left. And he did not just only leave. He did not leave except he left a dust on each and every single one of his head. At that moment, in their suspicion, each one of them, they touched their head. And what did they find on their head? They found the dust. But they still did not believe it. So what did they do? They looked into the house of the Prophet sallallahu and they were confident he's still sleeping on his bed. But it was Ali radiallahu an that was sleeping. And they found the exact covering of the Prophet sallallahu upon Ali. So they looked in and they said, you know what? He's not left there. So they waited. Wallahi, inna hadha la Muhammad na'iman. They said, Wallahi, this is Muhammad sleeping. Alayhi bardu. Upon him is his covering. Not only is he sleeping, that's his specific covering. So they stayed like that. Hatta asbahu until morning. And then morning time, Ali radiallahu an, he came out. He woke up. And at that moment, they said to each other, Wallahi laqad sadaqana ladhi hadathana. The one who told us this, Wallahi was truthful in the first place. But what we have to ask ourselves is, the ward or the house of the Prophet sallallahu it was not something difficult for them to enter and enter upon the Prophet sallallahu and just kill him while he's sleeping. And they look killed Ali radiallahu an. So why did they not do this? Why didn't they just go in while he's asleep and kill him? And it's a question when it comes to this qissa, this incident, I've always asked myself, they just enter and kill him? Full stop. And they look killed Ali radiallahu an. But the Prophet was confident. Nothing bad will happen to you. Why didn't they just go in? Some of the Mufassirin, they say, while they were attempting, the initial plan was to go in and kill the Prophet while he was asleep. So he said, they heard from the house a woman screaming or making noise from inside the house. They said it would be a disgrace. Subhanallah. Look at the Arabs of those days. And a shame for the Arabs to hear that we climbed over the wall and we entered upon our cousin, our female cousins. It's a shame. It would be a shame for them to hear that we've broken the sitter, the covering, and the veil of a woman. And they were mushrikeen. Because they don't know what state that woman's in. And these were mushrikeen. We could not go in there. And it would be said about us, you know, they went in while this woman was maybe in an indecent state. So that's what kept them there. When they heard a woman is in the house, they didn't go in. So they stayed at Sahata Asbahu and they found Ali radiallahu an. Of course, when they called Ali radiallahu an, they beat him severely, they took him to the Kaaba and tied him to the Kaaba and asked him, where is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa He didn't say a single thing. Now, from morning to later on, where did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam go? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to the one who he said to him, Maybe Allah will make a companion for you. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, who was truly hoping it would be him. But to show the sincerity 
of the hope and the desire of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu that will make hijrah the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He had already prepared, and this shows sincerity that when you're really serious about something, you prepare for it. And that's Allah subhanahu wa taala is about the munafiqin. We did not go out in jihad. Lo aradul khuruja la adulahu udda. If they really wanted to go for jihad, what would they have done? They would have prepared for it. If a person really, 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 really wants to do something, he prepares for it. If you do not want to do it, you're not going to prepare for it. I know some people, every year, they buy the ihram. They've not saved enough money, but they buy the ihram. They buy everything they need for hajj, and by the grace of Allah, Azza wa Jal, you'd find they go for hajj or umrah. So Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu, he wasn't sure be him or not, but he was already prepared. Abu Bakr, from when the Prophet, sallallahu told him, he bought two riding animals specifically for that purpose and he kept them in his house feeding them hoping that day will come that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam will say anta sahibi you're my partner on the hijrah so he was prepared fully prepared abu bakr radiallahu an so when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam aisha radiallahu anha when he reached the house abu bakr siddiq radiallahu an aisha said radiallahu anha that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he never ever 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 came to our house except ahadu tarafay in nahar except one of the two times during the day. Either in the morning or reaching the evening. That's the time the Prophet will come there. And the mushrikeen, they know the program of the Prophet But she said on this particular day, Atana Rasulullah He came on this particular day at a time he never comes. SubhanAllah, to show the takhtit, the planning of the Prophet because if you went at the normal times, they know the normal time he goes there. Secondly, she said the Prophet ﷺ came at the time the sun was at its peak, almost near Dhuhr. And why would the Prophet ﷺ choose this time? Because everybody in their house, it's too hot. Nobody was outside because you would have thought it would have gone under the cover of dark. But when the sun and it's fully bright, the Prophet ﷺ, he went to the house, Abu Bakr. قَالَتْ فَلَمَّا رَآهُ Abu Bakr قَالْ مَا جَاءَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَسَلَهُ هَذِي سَاعَ إِلَّا لِأَمْرٍ حَدَثًا When Abu Bakr saw the Prophet he was shocked. He said nothing could have brought him at this time except something has happened. So Abu Bakr al-Siddiq تَأَخَّرَ لَهُ He delayed in getting up from his bed to go to the Prophet فَجَلَسَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَسَلَّمْ She said he went to Abu Bakr and the Prophet Nobody was Abu Bakr Siddiq illa ana wa ukhti Asma bint Abu Bakr except for me and my sister Asma bint Abu Bakr. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said to Abu Bakr to show the level of secrecy and care and security. He said to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu an akhrij man indak. Tell everybody to leave the room. Whoever is here tell them to leave. And how old is Aisha radiyallahu anha? How old is she at this time? Because she married the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when she was what? Six. And the marriage consummated nice. So imagine how young she was then. He said, Akhrij kullu man indak. Tell everybody to leave the room. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiallahu an, he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that, Ya Rasulullah, innahuma ibnatay. These are my two daughters. Then the Prophet sallallahu looked around even further. He said, well man that, who are those people over there? He said, that's my mother and my father. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, after trusting them, he began to speak. He said to Abu Bakr radiallahu an, Inna Allah qad adhina li fil khuruj wal hijra. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the permission to leave in hijra. 
قالت فقال ابو بكر at this point ابو بكر رضي الله عنه he asked in excitement as-suhba as-suhba am i going to be your companion the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said as-suhba you going to be my companion aisha رضي الله عنه she said fa wallahi i swear by allah azza wa jal ma sha'artu qat qabla dhalik al-yawm anna ahadan yabki min al-farh i never could able to conceive or imagine before that day that anybody will cry out of happiness hatta yabki abu bakr yawma idhin until abu bakr radiyallahu an he cried out of happiness on that day she never witnessed that before that somebody could cry out of happiness so abu bakr radiyallahu an he began to cry out of happiness and then he said ya nabiyyullah o messenger of allah inna hatain rahilatan qad kuntu a'dattuhuma lihadha he said you see these two riding animals i prepared them for this day he was ready and not only did he prepare them for this day, he had already hired a guide, Abdullah ibn Uraiqit. Abdullah ibn Uraiqit was the best guide in the Arabian Peninsula. He knew all the rules and he was a mushrik. Abu Bakr an had the animal, he had the guide, and he gave the two riding animals to him. He said, meet us at the appointed time, place and time after three days. And he trusted him a mushrik, he gave it to him. Then Abu Bakr to show the level of secrecy, even the way he left his house. He didn't leave from the front of the house. He left from where? The back of the house. And nobody knew that the Prophet was leaving except for those who had to know. Abu Bakr, of course, Ali radiallahu anhu. And why did Ali have to know? Because the Prophet had wadi'a. He had things which was placed with him as trust from even the mushikeen. That he left with Ali, this belongs to this person, that belongs to this person. He didn't want to leave and say, you know what, I'm going for hijrah. Everyone's, you know, what they entrusted me with, their property, you know, ma'asalama. No, he left Ali radiallahu an in charge of giving back the people's amana. So Ali had to know. And of course, Abdullah ibn Abi Bakr. Abdullah, the son of Abu Bakr. And also the Mawla, the slave of Abu Bakr radiallahu an, Amir ibn Fuhira. And we know why they have to know later on. So they left the house of Abu Bakr radiallahu an, and they entered to Ghar al-Thawr. Where's Ghar al-Thawr? Because all the journey they took was what? Southwards. Where Medina is what? North. To deceive them. So they went to Ghar al-Thawr. Upon reaching Ghar al-Thawr, Abu Bakr radiallahu an, he refused for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to enter the Ghar. Because they reached there at night. He refused for the Prophet ﷺ to enter Fadakhala Abu Bakr until he entered. And he was searching for any possibility of a sub of scorpion on Hay or Hayya Afwan or snake to protect the Prophet. ﷺ. And he took off his cloth and he cut it into pieces and blocked every single hole he can in that ghar a thaw. So no snake, no scorpion could attack the Prophet. After he was shored that this place is safe, the Prophet ﷺ entered and the Prophet ﷺ, he slept and he put his head on the lap of Abu Bakr Then Abu Bakr he noticed in Ghar Thawr that there was two holes that was not covered. So Abu Bakr he put his foot there to cover it. When he put his foot there to cover it, Abu Bakr was bitten by a scorpion and he was extremely painful. He held it in, him. he held it in and it was painful. But he held it in and held it in, but the pain was too much. 
but he didn't want to wake up the Prophet sallallahu He did not scream nor did he move until his eyes swelled with tears and the tear drops started to drop on the Prophet sallallahu And the Prophet said, what is wrong with you? He said, I've been bitten by a scorpion. Then the Prophet sallallahu said, Bismillah, he touched him with dua and he was healed as though it did not happen at all. Subhanallah, look at the sacrifice of Abu Bakr radiallahu His wealth, even his own family, his slave for the what? The deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they stayed in this ghar, and the reason Abdullah ibn Abu Bakr had to be from the people that knew was what? He was ordered by Abu Bakr before he left the house. Every day, the daytime, just hang around and linger and hear the news of what the Quraysh are discussing. And from that which they were discussing, Abu Jahl went to the Kaaba. He said, anyone that finds Muhammad, it's like a million riyal. I'll give them a hundred camels. That's the ransom. So the bounty hunters were all looking for the Prophet sallallahu so he will stay in Mecca during the day and in the evening he will bring to the Prophet what they were discussing. And the other person was who? Ibn Fuhayra, Amir Ibn Fuhayra. What would he do? He would graze the cattle of Abu Bakr and the Quraysh during the daytime. And then after Abdullah has left, he will follow him to give milk and meat to the Prophet Then Abu Ab Abdullah, when he leaves in the evening, who follows him? Amir Ibn Fuhayra. Why does he follow him? to wipe out his footmarks with, with the what? With the, with the animals. So it will go after him. So he was wiping out the footmarks. And of course, Asma bin Abu Bakr who used to bring food to the Prophet Sallam. To the point the Prophet Sallallahu named or nicknamed that Nitaqain, the one who has two belts. Because she have one belt for food for herself and one belt food for the Prophet Sallam and Abu Bakr radiallahu So they stayed like this, in this cave for three nights. Now, during one of those nights, the mushrikeen actually even found the place. They found the place. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Bakr radiallahu they could hear the voice of the mushrikeen min kharij al-ghar. In fact, Abu Bakr radiallahu through the holes of the cave, he could see their what? Their foot. And he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لو نظر أحدهم إلى موضع قدمي ليرانا. If one of them just looks down, he's going to see us. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, Oh Abu Bakr, what do you think of two people that Allah is the third of them? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned I when the Prophet said to Abu Bakr, La tahzan inna It was said Abu Bakr was fearful. But fearful for what? For himself? No. Fearful for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because some of the munafiqeen wa ahlu bid'ah min al-shia, they said Abu Bakr was scared. If he was scared, he would not have left with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the first place. If he was scared, he would not have prepared for that day. But rather it was fearing for the Prophet and Allah Ta'ala not saying the ayah that he said to him, La takhaf. But rather he said what? La tahzan. Do not be sad. So Abu Bakr radiallahu was not scared. So they stayed in this cave for three nights. Waiting for who to come to them? Abdullah ibn Rayqi to come to them with the riding animals, their guide. So why are they in this place for three days? The mushrikeen, they were still looking for who? The Prophet sallallahu The only people they could go to was who? Ali, they gave up on him, tortured him, left him. Another one they could go to was who? The household of Abu Bakr radiallahu So Abu Jahl, he went to the household of Abu Bakr radiallahu And when he go to the house of Abu Bakr radiallahu he said to her, Ya bint Abu Bakr, daughter Abu Bakr, kul asma. And she said about Abu, Bakr, uh, Abu Jahl, that this Abu Jahl was a person fahishan khabithan. So she said, Ya bint Abu Bakr, where is your father? She said, La adri wallahi. I don't know where they are, wallah. 
He said, where is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He asked for it. He said, I don't know. Where is your father? She said, I don't know. فَرَفَعَ أَبُوْ جَهَلْ يَدَهُ He raised his hand and he slapped her so hard on her cheek, her earrings fell off her ear. No, she said, طَرَحَ The earrings flew off her ears. And she still didn't give up. She never revealed the secret of where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was. After three nights had passed, their guide, he came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And... It took the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam out of this cave. But SubhanAllah, when you look at Usul Al-Idara, the fundamentals and principle, whether it's project management, whether it's administration, you find all of this in the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Whether it's about planning, whether it's about strategy, whether it's about delegating. The Prophet Sallallahu this was a mushrik. He didn't say, you know what, let me look for a Muslim brother who's better. No, this is his job. There was nobody better at that than him. Of course, if there's a Muslim who could do the job, Wallahi nufaddil Muslim. Even if you do it 75% as him, but there was nobody like him. It's a mushrik, but you know what? That's the right person for the job. Because somebody's a sheikh, is knowledgeable, is pious, he may not be the right person for that particular job. But this was the right person for a job. But if there's a Muslim, it should be the one that should appoint. And that's why today's khutbah where I prayed, it was talking about Ali radiallahu an and the sacrifice of Ali radiallahu an. To the point that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam one day said to the Sahaba during Fathul Khaybar, he said, Ghadan, or tomorrow, in the morning, la raya. Tomorrow I'm going to give this flag. Li rajulin yuhibbullahu wa rasoolah. Wa yuhibbullahu wa rasooluhu. I'm going to give this flag to a man that loves Allah and his messenger. And Allah and his messenger they love. And everyone of the Sahaba wishing he was them. And would the Prophet give it to Ali radiallahu and he said to him, he said to him in the morning, go and call Ali. But Ali had an injury or dust in his eye. He could not hardly see. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he blew in his eyes and his eyes became okay. And he said, go to the, to the, the Yahud. When you descend, the first thing you do, call them to La ilaha illallah. The point of the matter he was trying to make here is the Khatib was saying, it's obligatory for us to give da'wah to the Muslims and the non-Muslims. Especially those who are under us from those who work with us. And he said, these non-Muslims that are working with us or for us, al-asr al-mana, the asr of it is not even permissible. To have a non-Muslim maid, servant, driver in your house and you could bring a Muslim. Because some people say, they're more sincere, there's no Jumu'ah, no prayer, they forget all of that. It is better to employ a Muslim, get that in your head. If it's equally or even lesser, not as good, but not to the point he doesn't know what he's doing, he said, you should not be bringing these people to work in your house or in your land. They'll take over from you. He said, especially in the household of some of the locals, he was saying, that he's a, he's a Qatari himself. He said, look, I have uncles, we have cousins. He said, especially in the time when the women are so complacent that the one that's really raising the child is the what? The maid. He said, I heard this statement for so many of my nephews and nieces that when something happens, there's no subhanAllah, ya Allah. They say, jeez. Jeez. Meaning Jesus Christ. So al-asl, it should be a Muslim. Anyway, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he delegated for this person, Abbaqa radiallahu an, to lead him. Now, after these three days, and he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and he led them out of the cave. He headed, we said Medina is what? North. But he headed south. And he took a path, almost going towards the Red Sea that nobody ever takes. Then he began the journey, what? Northwards. Now, on this journey, there's a couple of incidents that happened. Before reaching Medina, we'll speak about, but subhanAllah. When they left at night, they walked the whole night. 
until morning and then continue to walk until the afternoon. Imagine walking all of that time and continuing and continuing and continuing on the animal and then walking until they rested. And after that, they reached a place called the Khaymah, the tent of, the tent of Umm Ma'bad. We'll look at this incident, inshallah ta'ala, next week. This will take us a couple of weeks, even before they get to Medina, because of loads of incidences that happened before that. But before going to the Medina, we're going to go back to Ayat al-Makiyah, and we'll conclude with those, inshallah. Uh, any questions, inshallah? Now.